Hi there, everybody. It's Dr. Paul again from Men's Psychology Magazine and menspsychology.substack.com. And we again have uh, the esteemed uh, Jeremy Fox with us for a talk today on male loneliness, since it has been a, a big story really all year, uh, beginning with the Surgeon General, but a lot of research going on lately on how lonely males are really across all the generations. They talk a lot about teens and young people who are getting into social media as blaming entirely on social media in some cases, mm -hmm. but they're talking about young men and young women, but really it's a specific biggest problem for males really of all generations, especially both teens and middle-aged men. There's like two spikes in the age ranges, ages 35 to to 45 or 50 are a bit better than those who are adolescent and those who are truly middle-aged males. So what do you think, Jeremy? We've been talking about the epidemic of isolation among young men, an article in uh, the Canadian periodical, The Walrus by author Rachel Geis. And it's quite interesting how she brings together a lot of data and research on what's going on with loneliness. Yeah. Um, so th as you said, this is an article that starts off by addressing the landmark 2017 uh, loneliness, I guess you could say, study and findings from the then Surgeon General Vivek Murthy uh, about the impact of loneliness being very similar to smoking, um, to and to increase people's risk of cardiovascular disease. I mean, it's a it's a palpable, quantifiable problem. And I really like that Rachel, the author of this article, went into different factors which uh, have resulted in where men are today. And in no small part, it's due to a, a misunderstanding of male nature and this idea that boys are less social um, than than girls. And so. What's interesting is that she collects a multitude of research, and one of them um, involved kind of a longitudinal study where younger boys were seen to play and develop some kinship bonds very well. And it, it gathered around like playing with, you know, simulated guns, like finger gun type stuff, and um, that it sure. wasn't, and this is crucial, that, that what, the, the goal of that was not violence and it didn't increase aggression and it wasn't something, at least not from what we see here, um, but instead it was about chasing and about that physical engagement of running and doing some shared exercise, which uh -huh. then built a social connection that went beyond that. And so I think we can look at that and say, well, some different outlets now like pickleball or different things you can join that are recreational can be the jump off point for some of those relationships where you have a shared activity and then other things come up and, and friendship develops from that. And so I'm very glad to see that there's a change in that narrative. I mean, this article came out 2018 and I only recently discovered it. I'm glad I did because it speaks to so much of what's going on now. I mean, there's been a real change in um, male friendship, there aren't as many outlets for that, or it isn't seen to be the same um, due to the different economic pressures and focus on um, 
you know, earning and, and not having a lot of time. People don't, friendship isn't seen as something to build in to schedules. And I think that can impact women and men. Um, mm. But it, you kind of have the, the trajectory of high school, college, and then afterward, good luck. And I think people's friendships drop off at that point sometimes. I mean, what I really enjoy is when Rachel went into the narratives about how, like, up until basically 100 years ago, male friendships were very culturally embedded and something that were was prioritized. And somehow that dissipated. And she gives different reasons for that, a, a multitude. Like, um, for men... Uh, fear that spending time with other men will send the wrong message if they're heterosexual. Well, that wasn't something that was even considered decades ago. There wasn't that pushback or that fear of being perceived as basically not straight. And I think that's a huge issue that people need to be serious about. Like guys need to realize friendships as a part of historical masculinity are crucial. Look at the classic epics and the tales of masculinity of tribes of men banding together for goals and one person knowing what another didn't or well the, the iliad and the odyssey i mean bingo i mean you know uh stories of war yes. um i i think we could we could probably do a part one and a part two on this subject it turns out it's just so full of full of uh things to learn about and so rich um gosh Agreed. let me let me throw in some some of my basic understanding of male friendships, uh, not just from my personal experience, but from what I have seen in the literature and over a few decades of thinking about this. Um, mm -hmm. As you know, I, I think the evolutionary psychology model of the triune brain is correct. I think it's almost always useful for slicing and dicing. What are we looking at in a behavior or in a, in a problem. And so I always will think if there is a problem with males, then there may be a problem with something to do with their masculine instincts being blocked, suppressed, not used, not honored, not brought into um, utility in the world in a way that gives the man meaning, right? A lot of people are talking about meaning finding yes. meaning, right? Yes. But what exactly yes. is meaning? I mean, I know what you're talking about when you talk about it. I know that it feels really good to have meaning in your life. But sure. what is that exactly? I want to try to get close to what is that. And I think it has something to do with this loneliness. Yes. Having, having meaning, right? Friendships bring meaning. Yes. I think it is the, not just the existence of masculine instincts, and not just the expression of them, but, mm -hmm. but the correct social milieu, cultural milieu that receives the fruits of these good, what would have been called positive masculinity, positive use of masculine instincts, really, to okay. build, to create, to give, to be generous, to be a provider, to be an encourager, to be a coach, to be a welder, builder, construction worker, right. messy, dirty job person that helps society do what nobody else wants to do. That's what we mm -hmm. do, usually. 95% of workplace deaths are male. Okay. For, they do the dangerous jobs, right? So if there's not a cultural milieu 
encouraging, honoring, rewarding, or at least appreciating the expression of these masculine instincts, of which there are at least 12 major ones. And I use the nomenclature of the Greek mythologies to, to they're great names to use. They're very descriptive for what exactly is that little circuit in males that automatically works for certain tasks. The Greeks give us a great nomenclature using their gods and goddesses as names. Okay. But when these are not expressed outwardly and used and honored, then the man feels a lack of meaning. So his friendships are one place to both mutually encourage, as you know from men's groups, why they are so, why they're the number one most effective style of therapy for males, men's groups. Yes is that there is no dominant, there is a hierarchy, but it's a mutual hierarchy where I'm good at something and you're not as good, but you're good at something that I'm not as good at. And let's mutually right. mentor each other and coach and help each other as peers within the men's group. That's what works. And, and isn't that the core of what friendship is? It's mutually raising each other's self-esteem which in males, as differentiated from how female friendships work, male friendships mm -hmm. are not like we are looking in each other's eyes adoringly at how awesome of a friend you are. Instead, we're both looking outward side by side, looking at the Super Bowl or looking at something that honors men or that is just for men. It's only for men for us to enjoy. Right. It's not to the exclusion of anyone else. But it's it's promoted as being for us. We are welcome sure. to it. And there's less and less of that in the surrounding culture. Saying, men, you are good. Let us honor you. Let's have something just for you today or this month or <laughs> this weekend. Right. And I think, I mean, the voices are starting to um, gain traction and, and outcry for, to cry out for, men to have these friendships and to have other ties. And it isn't to say that you need to give up on a romantic relationship or have your perfect circle of brothers before you try to date or whatever. But while dating and afterward, there has to be some friendship, even a, a one good friend, because that made a huge difference to, to young boys to dealing with depression. If they made friendship, even one good friend, a study showed in that article we're talking about, that it buffered against later depression. So what we're talking about is quality more than quantity. And for men and women, people in life that are in the same phase or ahead that can be mentors or below that can be mentees. But I mean, I think having a mentor is great in place before you start trying to give of yourself. Um, male friendships where you can talk about things that you might be less in, likely to do in a, in a group of of mixed gender composition, right? I mean, there there are people on, on any side of that now, the men and women talking about how that's necessary. And it helps to enrich you with different perspectives and there's something in it for you. Um, I mean, beyond just emoting and you don't have to share stuff you don't want to. I think that you nailed it with the men's groups. I've had many clients who have benefited from groups where there's a, that combination of like accountability 
and empathy. And so what you get there is respect that I think respect is really a combination of viewing someone highly and seeing their capability, right? And then also empathizing with their struggles, but you don't sacrifice either one. It's like, oh, well, you've had a hard time and I don't, I don't, you know, ask for more from you. Well, that's kind of pity, right? But if you say, well, you need to just do better no matter what, suck it up. Well, that doesn't feel very respectful, but I, I'm viewing now as I'm thinking about it, like respect as this function of, you know, you've, you have some obstacles, but you can get through this. I believe in you. And I know for you, that phrase, I believe in you is a big one that it comes like as a successful outcome of, of male courtship where the man feels that the woman he's with respects him, views him as capable and she believes in him. And I think men have, need that boosted in many ways and to understand what they're good at. Other people can speak to our competencies and, and say what they see in us be, what, that we miss. Yeah, yeah. It, it's more like... Uh somebody being witness to our lives there yes. there's a line there's a line in an old kind of moderately well received romantic comedy called shall we dance with uh, richard right. gear and uh um uh who am i i'm losing it uh Je jessica uh, it's not jessica beale it's uh lopez Okay, gear, gear, and Jennifer Lopez yeah. and Richard Gear, and yeah. Susan Sarandon is in it as well. And Susan Sarandon is the wife to Richard Gear, and Richard Gear is secretly getting dance lessons from Jennifer Lopez, and it's okay. It's plat it's platonic. It's it's mm. not romantic. He he just wants to improve himself, and it's private and secret, and he keeps it secret from his wife, and mm -hmm. Susan Sarandon uh, as the wife hears about it and it turns out she understands that he needs his privacy to go work on who he is as a man platonically okay. from a dance instructor and she says something really beautiful about her summation of what is marriage and she says marriage is all kinds of things but it's it's just being witness to someone's life to their story it's it's being an, mm. a perpetual witness to somebody else and that th and that's not only more than good enough, it's a profound thing. It, it's it being a mirror for the meaning of somebody else's life and the yes. story. Yes. And I, and the same would be true. And that's deep in romance, but the same would be true of good friendships of best friendships. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so one way we can look at this too, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. One way we can look at this is the lead up, right, to courtship. So when do people usually begin dating? I would say for serious relationships, of course there's outliers, but usually late adolescence is when you're going to really ramp up anything that's gonna be serious. Yeah, people can date earlier, they can date even in middle school, but what does that usually look like long-term, right? Some people meet middle school, high school sweethearts, uh, of course, I, I think statistically now, that might have definitely taken a plunge in in prevalence. And so what what do you do leading up to, how do you develop yourself as a person? Because we know we make ourselves. We don't really find ourselves. That's cute. I mean, we can find things that we didn't know, but we still make ourselves with that new information, right? So you have to make yourself. Right. Well, how do you do that? Well, of course, through introspection, 
But we're very, all of us are very, very notoriously subjective and biased. It can either go very positive, very negative, right? One or the other, yeah. or both at different times. So what, how really do you make a self? Well, through refinement, through outside information from trusted people who aren't, who don't have a vested interest in telling you something wrong through friendship. And so as you're developing yourself, learning your skills, your hobbies, what you're good at, what you could use some work on, your blind spots, friendships serve an amazing purpose in, in making you a person, in making you a well-developed, well-rounded person, which for men has become a lost art, right? And it, it's something that when you, when you develop it, when you're able to have different sides and, and, and different interests and things like that, that you've developed with other people either joining you in that or pointing you toward it, whatever, then you're a very, you're much more viable option than someone who doesn't know anything about themselves other than they want to date or they want to meet someone. That's nice. That's great. Who are you? What's your story then? And so the, the lead up, uh, I mean, historically, if you look at any great literature, there's all like development within a group, whether that's friends, school, whatever, and taking what messages fit and what don't and your role it can be just crucial in, in preparing you today, preparing you with wisdom, a lost word that we don't hear a lot. Mm. I, I, I think, you know, let's, let's look at how high are the stakes for right. loneliness, right? Cause that, that's kind of what you're alluding to is the, the stakes are very right. high. The stakes involve, mm -hmm. will you find, a lifelong love because you right. need your friends in some way either to catch yes. you when it ends or to propel you into it to get things started for yourself uh, so there's love and then there's even there's physical health and then there's yes. even uh the avoiding suicide i mean mm -hmm. what what could be what could be deeper and more important in um agreed in any medical system so the beginning of the article uh i'm just going to quote she talks yeah. about U.S. Uh, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, who identified the common threat to public health, the biggest one he had seen, not heart disease, not diabetes, not cancer, but loneliness. Um, isolation and weak social connections are associated with a reduction in lifespan, he says, yes. similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than associated with uh, obesity. So loneliness yes. is also associated with greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression, and anxiety. And he was supported mm -hmm. by a large body of research called from 200 studies involving more than 3 million subjects worldwide that showed right. we're in the midst of a loneliness epidemic. Okay. Yes. And then they cite blame. And I think they're missing a lot of things um, that, are, that are the culprits and they call the culprits uh, the fluidity of modern life, that we move, we change jobs a lot, the weakening mm -hmm. of community institutions like service organizations and faith groups, which you certainly know about, and then the yes. gig economy and our increasing yes. reliance on social media. So they blame a lot of sociologic problems that are known, uh, social media, gig economy, but nobody's really they aren't willing to to go to the root of the problem, which is that uh, has at least two parts, I think. Triune brain model. Let's go back to that. Part one is the instincts, the reptilian brained instincts in males. I call those masculine instincts. 
the other part has to do with the other two regions of the mind or the brain, the mammalian brain and the higher brain. The mammalian brain is the emotional part of the brain. The higher brain is the more conscious, logical, ethical area of character and the intellect, right? Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to cover the entire brain and the entire mind that runs on it, we would talk about male instincts. And then we would also talk about the emotions and beliefs and mature behaviors of quality friendship. And I've right. got, I've got it. I've got it in a nutshell. When okay. males get together, um, psycholinguist Deborah Tannen once said, the worst thing a little girl could do to another little girl is to banish her, banish her from the friendship group. The worst yes. thing a little boy could do to another little boy is to defeat him, to want to one up him. And so there's something about teaming up with other males, but looking outward at a goal, like a common yes. goal. And it doesn't have to be a war. It could be a sport. It could be watching a sport. It could be watching a movie, whatever it is. Yeah. It's out, it's outer directed. And then it's a teamwork process here. And there's something about right. that that feeds the masculine instincts. And they might be mm -hmm. the Odysseus instinct, the Aries instinct, the Zeus instinct. Males need to know a little bit of a hierarchy. Where do I fit into this group? Am I in the sure. middle in my, my skill level? Am I a teacher with high skills or am I a student who needs to grow skills? Right. But then the friendship part, I just want to just want to kind of throw this in for us to consider definitely for next time. And then I want to hear your final words on this. I, I once looked gender neutral at what is just friendship globally for both males and females. However, their differing styles of doing friendship are, what is the global smallest common denominator variables of friendship? And I started with Aristotle and Aristotle had two or three different classification systems for how you describe the quality of the friendship you share with someone. I borrowed from those. Then I went to the triune brain model and I determined that there are four variables. Um, one is friendship is consistent. To have consistency, what you see is what you get almost every time. You know what to mm -hmm. expect from your friend. It's consistency. Yes. Which, which needs a good personal boundary to execute and needs some mindfulness and observing ego. So a mature yes. person can be a consistent friend. Then there's yes. mutuality. Mutuality is fairness. It means I scratch your back, you scratch mine. It's, it doesn't violate the Seinfeld rule of a true friend being someone who comes over and helps you move apartments and a false uh -huh. friend disappears and doesn't help you move apartments in the city. Right. So it's it's mutuality. I'm going to help you at some point. You've helped me. I'm going to help you back. A reciprocal uh, friendship connection. So mutuality and then shared. Shared is where the social media violates this this crucial part of friendship. We are flesh and blood human beings. We are designed and made to physically participate in our friendships. That means FaceTime. That means quality time. That means there is no such thing as long distance. 
long distance friendship is a dying friendship because yes. there is a shared we are in flesh and blood together live doing things it's where zoom actually fails yes. us this is a reasonable facsimile right. but it's not the same as us actually meeting getting together and talking to people in person so exactly. shared and then lastly the biggest part of all of friendship like almost definitive of it is it is shared positive emotion it's not shared yes. negative emotion and complaining and whining and moaning although there's some consistency to that and some mutuality to that and right. maybe some sharedness to that it's negative so friendship is positive emotion which basically is mutually raising each other's self-esteem not with puffery but with genuine appreciation honoring support and skill building for the, for the males and probably for the females as well it's shared positive emotion it's raising it's mutually raising each other's self-esteem so the whole yes. definition refabricated from aristotle is all friendships if you want to measure how good of a quality of my friendship do i have it's consistent it's mutual it's shared and it's positive emotion those four if you're suffering in any of those four then it, the friendship is not as good as originally depicted <laughs> no i agree and there's so much richness there to get into for next time i would say the dynamism and the complexity are definitely um missing in a lot of friendships now i mean we've redefined the term there's been what is a friend is it just someone that you i think now the peer definition would be someone that you kind of know and that you feel positive toward it's like oh okay that's a lot less deep than what you just described so i think it's validating for people to hear this and recognize well okay if i don't feel that that those connections are as deep it's not that i'm just dissatisfied and empty and for some reason it can't take pleasure and it's like maybe they are more surface level and there's right to be done there to cultivate right and it's the same reason how could i possibly have a hundred thousand twitter followers and yet feel lonely how could i feel lonely with a hundred thousand twitter followers it's because how are they not, enriching yeah. yeah maybe f three of them are actual friends deep close friends you know right. and maybe they're not paying that much attention to twitter so we, right. you know we're lacking in shared in-person experience through it yes it's not mutual in a lot of cases that's right. definitely not positive i mean what about no. much of social media is positive i don't know <laughs> so. yeah it's a mixed bag for sure i think next time it'll be good to get into kind of the history of male friendship and how it actually is so it's so uh, much a part of, of Western culture and for whatever, and we talked about some of the reasons, it's kind of dissipated. And it's, it's a good thing to know, like that there's a reason why men are struggling now. It's not just some massive thing with no cause. And if there's a cause and we know it, then we can definitely work to change it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Let's look at the history of that. I like it. Well, good, man. <laughs> All right. Exciting. Good to talk to you for uh, part one of male loneliness and what does it yes. mean and what are we going to do about it? Thank you. Where do we go from here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a pleasure as always.